Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everybody, rock your body. Everybody, rock your body right. Roll the roost. Oh my God, we're back again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to a sporadic episode of Roll the Roost podcast. Raj, how are you doing? How are you? Like football is. Football is back. Hello, Jack. I am good, thanks. However, I fucked up the front end of my recording because, like you, I am now old as well, and you know how us old folk don't get along with technology. This chat was most shite anyway. Just get on with your chat with the United Fan Joey Mills, you pompous tosser. Peace. So, I am joined here by... Mr. Joey Mills, uh, a colleague, a new colleague of mine, um, and also podcaster extraordinaire for... Has, how, how do you pronounce Because I, I couldn't tell if it was Podianagalo or Podian, but... Because his name is Odianagalo, right? It is. It, his name's Odianagalo. It's it's one of those names that definitely looks better written down. Um, but uh, I would defend it as there's the, the host that did come up with it. But we're, we're calling it Podianagalo. But um, we're more than happy to hear suggestions of other pronunciations for it. Keep them clean, obviously. You could have, what about Paul Paul Podba? There you go. Could it be? That's true. Where do you uh, just just for anyone listening? If you haven't guessed, uh, Joey is a is a Man United fan. Um, and that's that's relevant because Tottenham are about to play Manchester United, as you know. For anyone that has been a, a long term long term listener of of Rule of Roost, um, where do you on on Paul Pogba? Where where do you stand on him? Because he's kind of uh, he's sort of that uh, he's the date to our David Brent at the moment. The news that Paul Pogba is going to be back in the starting lineup has got a lot of Spurs fans doing the oh fuck's sake. Kind of because he's he's the sort of player often will show up against Spurs. I got. I admit, I'm slightly. I'm not as high on Paul Pogba as a lot of Manchester United fans are. Um, not denying for a second, he's absolutely on his day world class talent. Uh, my issue with him has always been that day doesn't come often enough. You know, you might get yeah. get the sort of unbelievable performance once every eight games or once every ten games. He never seems to put a run together for us. Um, and I'm always a little bit wary of any player that's sort of openly desperate to leave a team. And I think it's fair to say he's been lifting his skirt up at Madrid for a long time now. At the same time, we have got him for the rest of this season now. 
I'm very interested to see what he'll look like playing next to Bruno. Um, I, th- I think that could could be a key to the rest of our season, having sort of a, a two-pronged attack in midfield with, and a holding player behind could could really fit our system. It's funny because we, we had a real parallel in the past couple of seasons, really, with Christian Eriksen in the respect of, like, I would often get pelters for... I just sort of got fed up of Eriksen in the respect for the same reason, like you're saying... He never seemed to sort of maintain the consistency that we saw that he had earlier on in his career, or at least the midpoint of his Spurs career. And just like you say, when somebody's just so openly disdainful of playing for the club, it, it often gets confused in that idea of like, you're just kind of like a butthurt fan that can't take the fact that somebody doesn't love your club as much as you do. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's obviously, there's always going to be that sort of, intangible emotional element to it but just on a, on a practical level you just can't help but question the commitment of a player who doesn't who openly doesn't really give a shit right and i so i can see why it is it is a tricky relationship because you know we knew on our day that christian erickson was capable of a lot but toward the end like his day never really came around it seems to be that inter fans haven't taken to him at all since he's gone there so you know but um yeah, Fernandez, who you touched on there, is somebody we were linked with pretty heavily, and I'm pretty gutted looking by his early start that we didn't manage to get that one over the line, because um, he's pretty much kind of transformed you, right, in many respects. Yeah, he he's definitely been a galvanising force, and it's been interesting to to read sort of over this period of lockdown, various stories emerging of him sort of pulling up players in WhatsApp groups over, over their conduct and, and sort of the way that they've been off the pitch and sort of being a, a galvanising influence. Because we haven't, we, we've lacked sort of those true leaders. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche to always go back to to the Roy Keane argument. And, and Bruno's not exactly that sort of character, but he is someone who seems to genuinely care and genuinely want to make the players around him better. And he's backed that up by some unbelievable performances on the pitch. Like, the excitement in the stands every time he picks the ball up is is palpable because you know he's always looking for that forward pass to break through the lines, to assist, to score. He's someone who seems happy to shoulder the responsibility of being a Manchester United player. And since Fergie, we really haven't had enough players like that. It's funny, is it? Because it, it, it's always that kind of relationship of ability and mentality that is I suppose now in like in 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 recent years people are starting to realize now that there have been players who have possessed like incredible ability but just don't really have the mentality to pull it through and who are sometimes outshone by players who perhaps don't have the same level of ability but have a massive mentality as it were that gets them over the line like I reckon probably in our like he he's I think he is a brilliant footballer. Don't get me wrong, but somebody like Harry Kane, for example, probably isn't the most naturally gifted player. But his mentality is just that of like I want to score loads of goals, and I'm so focused and kind of single minded on doing that that he manages to pull it through. But I I loved it like with with Bruno seeing him like even just little stuff like shushing Pep Guardiola. You know, he's not even. He's not even thinking about his career or in the respect of like, 
oh, I better not mug off someone like Pep because he might not sign me at some point down the line or whatever. Like He's just kind of there because he wants to win because he's focused on kind of, I don't know, just showing that he's the shit, which he does seem to be. Um, do you reckon they'll start together on on Friday? There's there's been a lot of talk of um, Pogba maybe not being a hundred percent fit because obviously he's been out a lot longer than than even the rest of the players have through through the lockdown. So it's I, I think the thinking at this point, and I I might be wrong by the time people are listening to this. I think the the thinking is that Pogba would be involved off the bench. Um, but I mean, I, I actually said on on Podium this this week that I'd love to see us if we can start with. Pogba and Bruno merely because of that fear factor because I think if mm. you know if you're a Spurs player looking at sort of this midfield duo that everyone's been talking about in the build up you know what's going to happen when these two play together that is going to put something in in the back of your mind more so than it would if say no disrespect but if McTominay lined up next to Fernandez you know you you're not going to have that same worry I think as you would coming up against Fernandez and Pogba you are worried about potentially facing up against Eric Dyer, though, Joey. That's the question, mate. Uh, he's looking trim. He's looking trim. Actually, he's one of the few players that is looking like he's gone the other way over lockdown. Well, um, your your current manager apparently was um, was often looking at bringing him to Old Trafford. So I'm I'm, I'm sort of glad that the union between Mourinho and Dyer took place at um, your club rather than mine. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it's an interesting one, and he, well, yeah, I think he's been. I think I'm right in saying he has been ever present under Mourinho, um, and I, I, I do want to, I do want to talk to you about Mourinho actually, obviously, because it is a, a, a really big talking point. But I guess just before we do that, I guess I just wanted to sort of find out from you how you were feeling just about the football, because I mean it. it it still seems quite surreal, right, that we're talking now about Spurs playing Man United in what feels like last season now. You know, it's, it's a three-month break in between um, because of everything that's obviously happened in the world. Um, I don't really know how to... I, if I'm brutally honest, like, I'm just... I'm quite excited about just football being back and I'm not really even that focused on the idea of us catching you or there being a Champions League kind of place at stake potentially for one of us and those sort of nuances I probably would have been more invested in a few months back at the moment I'm just more wondering like how will Kane be coming back from injury will Ndombele actually be fit and do you know what I mean? More those sort of like little narratives within the game as opposed to the big overarching like competition, if you like. But I mean, what what do you sort of think about it all? It's a, it, I think you're absolutely right because there's always that, like when you, you have a new season start, there is that always like, oh, how are we going to look? How are we going to line up tactically? Where's everyone's fitness at? And this almost does feel like a new season beginning just merely because of the length of time. So it's kind of strange coming back in after such a long break, but with everything still being at play that was in play in in March, you know, with the various European qualifications and 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 different sort of permutations of that. 
And yeah, like I, I, I hear you on the sort of being excited to see how everybody looks, but I, I feel like it will be a case of maybe like 15, 20 minutes in, reality starts to hit and you think, you know, this this is like a massive game for both our seasons, really. Yeah. I mean, apart from you and, and Leicester, I think um, every other team that we have to... Oh, and Sheffield United. But apart from those three, I think every other team that we have to play is currently bottom half of the table. So for us, it's... Uh, a massive game really for making a making a case for that fourth spot if we can and I, I do feel like once that initial period of, of strangeness is over and we get get used to like the new normal for for United and Spurs I feel like that old sort of competitive edge might kick in yeah you're probably, you're probably right there um I think the the other interesting part is the I mean I I don't know how much you can draw from uh, another league entirely and everything but like Bundesliga seems to have shown that like home advantage just isn't a thing anymore and I definitely like I'm I'm definitely more of the opinion that like you know football without fans is nothing like I, I this should be an aberration to me and this shouldn't be like something that sets a precedent for like well now we can play three four games abroad every season or something, you know, like NFL do, or, or what have you, um, and that's not to say there wouldn't be fans in those, in those sort of territories or whatever where they go. But I just think that you know, football clubs, personally, in my opinion, anyway, should probably stay faithful to the areas and the. I sound a bit Brexit now, don't I? But um, like the areas and everything that they they are, you know, said to represent and what have you. Um, but do you like do you even see this as a, as an away game because there is still that stupid bit of me maybe that still thinks well we probably have a slight even if it's tiny we probably have a slight advantage still in terms of like a home advantage purely just cuz of shit like we've played in the ground more times than you have and we know the pitch or certain details, like players. Like I, I remember, like um, when we played those couple of seasons at Wembley, I think it was Older Wireld said that like getting used to like a new stadium is is strange, not just for the whole atmosphere and the experience getting there and everything like that. Just like when you're actually on the pitch you start to have almost subconscious markers knowing that if I want to like hit a long ball cross field, I have to be at X point on the pitch. And I always mark that in my head by knowing that ad board finishes there or that detail of the stadium is, do you know what I mean? And they kind of map out all these different details in their heads. And I, maybe I'm just looking into it too much. I don't know, but I think that definitely is an interesting way of looking at it. Um, something I've been given a little bit of thought to, and maybe even as an explanation why the, the Bundesliga sort of home and away balance has, has been thrown so far off course, is that if you're an away team playing in another, another team's stadium, you're kind of already expected a different experience, something you're, you're not used to. You know, you only go there once a season. It's not something that, that's part of your like every day. Whereas for the home teams, you know, used to the stadium, like you say, they know the layout, where the boards are and everything. And I almost think it might be stranger 
playing in your own stadium in such weird circumstances as it mm. as it would be for an away team because you're going to be in a ground that you know like the back of your hand but it's going to feel like it's never felt before it's going to feel completely different to to the ground that you're used to so i almost feel like away teams might have a slight advantage just because that familiarity might go against the home teams because they're presented with with the ground they're used to but in a completely different set of circumstances with those weird squares with with the the fans at home on their on their phones and the uh the piped in noise and and all these sort of affectations that you're not used to seeing around you in the in the ground that you play in and you know i, I feel like a few, a few teams could be thrown off by that i mean this might just be wishful thinking obviously because we're away from home but it's it's something to think about, especially when you look at how the Bundesliga has panned out. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. And I, I can't remember who it was on um, one of the, I think it was maybe on the Times Football podcast. One of the guys who's on that, who's, a, who's an ex-player, he was saying that um, he reckons a, being an away team could actually be more of an advantage for like some of these sort of like bizarro reasons like you're saying in that really when you're the home team, everyone's showing up because they live near the ground. They all show up separately, like in their own cars and all this type of stuff, kind of get there shortly before the game and they go through the sort of motions of just like, all right, mate, how you doing? Yep, great. And then have a little chat and stuff like you do with your colleagues kind of thing. Whereas like, the but then they don't on top of that have the push and everything of like the roar of the crowd so say like when it gets to like the last 15 minutes and it's one all and the crowd can give you that extra push and that type of thing whereas like the away team are getting all the benefits of playing away from home in that psychologically they're thinking we're playing away from home like you say so they're kind of more up for it they're on enemy territory, so again, they're more up for it. And also, they have the journey up there together as a squad that kind of brings them together before actually arriving at the match. So they've kind of already gelled and got all the kind of like formalities and everything out of the way. Um, and it just, that it, it might actually play into it that away teams have a, a bigger advantage. But I guess it's. It's all conjecture at the moment, isn't it? We're not going to really know. And I think that that's the weirdest thing about this whole thing I've found is that it's really hard to get a read on what's going to happen because we went into, you know, Leipzig was our last game and we had fuck all players left. Like Spurs are absolutely decimated by injury like by this point. So, you know, we've kind of, it sounds crass to say, but we've almost like lucked out through this circumstance in that we were in free fall in the league. Kane was out, Son was out, Bergwijn was out. I think Lucas was 50-50, Deli Alley was sort of half injured and Dombele was injured. You know, we we were missing so many players. Um but now I think we're we're pretty much fully fit again. Um so it's it's sort of, you know, it looks all right for Spurs, anyway. Um, so it, yeah, it's just. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it's uh, 
it's going to be a good match, I reckon. Um, Spurs United, and I'm, I'm just, I'm encouraged by the sort of noises Mourinho's been making today. It seems as though he's kind of dropped a lot of the kind of shit with Ndombele, and they seem to have kind of reconciled a point. They had that. I don't know if you saw it during the lockdown. They had that thing where. Mourinho just showed up at Dombele's house and said, you're going for a run, you know, and took him out for a jog sort of thing, um, which, I mean, I don't know if you happened to see much of Ndombele before the break, but the whole thing was kind of painted as a bit of a, you know, oh, it's Mourinho's new Pogba, he's singling out a uh, uh, another like young player who he just doesn't really like to make an example of him. But I mean, Ndombele really, he really was a disgrace before before the before the lockdown. He looked so out of shape and just really kind of not like he gave a fuck at all. Um, and it caused quite a few problems. But on the on Mourinho, like, what's your kind of? Because I almost feel awkward, like, defending him because I've, as a Spurs fan, detested him for pretty much the entirety of his footballing career. I've never particularly warmed to him, never particularly liked him. I've always had a, I suppose, a, a resentful admiration of him because he's, he has been for whatever people want to say about him now, whether he's a spent force or not. He's been one of the greatest football managers of all time. Um, and you, you, you can't help but appreciate everything he's he's sort of done. It, it seems to be as well in a kind of, from the outside anyway, during his time as Man- Manchester United manager, which seems to have been largely dubbed like some spectacular failure, <laughs> his kind of trophy haul and what he achieved with you, yeah, okay, maybe in comparison to what United are used to, but still to most other clubs, would have him down as one of their most legendary managers. Yeah, he won a European trophy. He won an FA Cup, I believe, did he? A League Cup as well? He, he Yeah, he won the, the League Cup. He um, won us... Obviously, he'd, he'd never let you forget the Community Shield and he got us to, <laughs> yeah. got us to a, another um, FA Cup final as well. So he, he had a decent... Uh, I and this is my thing with him. I'm kind of I've I've always been a little bit split on Mourinho. Um, I I don't class him as a, as a failure. I think it it often gets forgotten, gets thrown at us how many points we were behind City this season. We finished second, but I think it does get forgotten that we were in front of everyone else. Like that season, I remember in particular, everyone was was hailing you. Everyone was hailing Spurs. Everyone was hailing Liverpool and how well they'd done. And we might not have done it with the prettiest football, but we did finish above two very good teams. Um, and you can't I don't think you can argue with the trophy hall. I think most most proper Reds will tell you that the the Europa League run was was great fun. Obviously it's not the competition you choose to be and I'm not for one second pretending it's the Champions League. It isn't, but you know, g- going abroad, playing against some Wi-Fi passwords. Like, it is a nice a nice sort of tonic for a season. <laughs> and it's just great fun to win things. And, and we, we beat an Ajax side that sort of went on to be very good. So I think, you know, that's all stuff in the plus column for Mourinho. I think 
the trouble with him is, and it kind of reminds me, even though they're very different sort of philosophically and on the pitch, but it reminds me a little bit of the latter days of Wenger, where I don't think Mourinho's become a terrible manager overnight, just like I, I don't think Wenger ever became a terrible manager overnight. I know I probably shouldn't say that on a Spurs podcast. I should say he was rubbish. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think the... the, the I think any, anyone that rustled an Arsenal fan base as much as uh, Wenger did, kind of, he's, he's won a bit of affection from Spurs fans nowadays. But Well, I mean, you'd hope so. There's no defending that coat. But, you know, he did do some good things. <laughs> but, you know, they, they're, they're both managers for me, Mourinho and Wenger, where the game just moved on from them, where other managers have sort of taken the very best of what they did and and melded it to a more modern style and I, I think that's what what came from Mourinho in the end at, at United it was just merely a case of like his old methods the the siege mentality the alienating certain players it it was never going to hold water anymore it's it's a little bit passe like that his sort of his way of ruling a team is fair and players nowadays just they don't respond to that you you could you know you have to it has to be carrot and stick now you can't be all stick and and Mourinho especially you know especially at the end was just all stick he was going out there slagging the players off individually and you you're only going to have a short shelf life doing that at United particularly if the football's rubbish and that's the thing you know attacking football has always sort of been part of the identity at United. And so if you're going to play a more negative style, you better make sure that the rest of your house is in order and you better make mm. sure that, you know, the results are flawless because otherwise they'll come, the fans will, will turn on you quickly. And I, I think that's what happened as soon as, as results bottomed out. It was the end for him. And like I say, I, I rank him quite highly as a, as a Manchester United manager. I think, I think he had a, a you know, a, a solid, respectable track record. But I think he he went at the right time, and um, it would be interesting, really, because we've only quite had quite a brief look at what he could do for Spurs. Did you find it? Because one of the things that actually irritates me, um, to be honest, is that it seems to be that because like everything you're saying there, I think is pretty reasoned and pretty true. I'm. I'm I, I'm not blown away by Mourinho. Um, I I can I can understand it in the respect that after Pochettino went, um, a lot of people were kind of saying like, oh, you know, why didn't we go for someone like Nagelsmann or that type of thing? But I think people neglect how just fucked the club looked. At the at the start of this season, like I think they were just so beyond gut gutted about the Champions League um, that it just it seemed to just break a lot of the players. It broke entirely Pochettino's bond with them. Like I think it I think it actually on a quite a personal level really sort of fucked him up a bit. Um, just because I think he put so much into it and had just realised that perhaps that was kind of it in that. Because Spurs and Liverpool have been so neck and neck for so many seasons, and it just seemed to be that the Liverpool board, at a decisive point, were like, "If we want to kick on, we've got to just drop some money now." And then Van Dijk, Allison, Keita, that type of thing came in. 
But it seemed to be that Spurs with Pochettino just had to kind of battle through and see what they could do. And I think there was just that perfect juxtaposition that Spurs and Liverpool would meet at that pinnacle and we'd just kind of fall away in the way that we did. That I, I you know, but by all accounts, Pochettino didn't even talk to the players after the final, nothing. He just disappeared off and nobody heard from him for, for ages and it just came as like a little surprise that the players weren't really on board with it by the end. Um, and I, I can see why when we've got a squad that, yeah, is on its last legs now in terms of, you know, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, a lot of these like big players are on the decline. Why you might take a gamble on somebody like Mourinho thinking, can he just squeeze something out of the dying embers of this Pochettino project? Can he just get an FA Cup at least, something like that for us. Um, but it still seems to be that a lot of people will, especially in like the football kind of media, are very quick to jump on pretty much anything that he does. And even me as somebody who doesn't particularly like him, when I will say, well, you know, I think that's kind of bollocks. There's always this kind of like catch twenty two of people like ah he's got you that's what he does it's this it's this siege mentality in it but I, I don't really it just seems to be that the, there are a lot of like overstated narratives that I probably bought into when he was either like your manager or even Chelsea manager before that I'm not sure are like as fair as are often presented is that it like is that something that you feel maybe he has just what maybe I had to have got some sort of Stockholm syndrome, but no, I think what you're saying is entirely fair. I think the, the thing with Jose Mourinho that he's found is that if, if you, you live by the character, you die by the character. So, you know, he's built built himself as, as this sort of special one. It's almost it's like a pro wrestling gimmick to him, almost this. This yeah. sort of this this confident sort of you know respect respect sort of persona that he's built for himself. That when things don't go your way, people are going to throw that back it back in your face. It's like we've seen it with all kinds of managers. You know, like 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 the Wenger out campaign, like Fergie in seasons where we didn't win the title. It's like the the the, the almost the things that make these men great do get thrown back at them when things aren't going so well. I do think, to a degree, Mourinho brings it on himself. Um, like the, you know, the going and and sort of dragging and Dombele out for a run, I think was always gonna get the knives <laughs> out for Mourinho a little bit. It's it's those sort of things and like calling out Luke Shaw for being fat and you know some of it he he does knowingly, but I would agree that a lot of things he does get interpreted a certain way because they're Jose, where you do feel if it was Pep. If it was Klopp, you know, if if it was Pochettino when when he was still your manager, like they would kind of get away with a little bit more, and you know, especially some of the mind games and the comments about other managers or slipping things in about officials. Like, I I do think that is something that most managers do. That maybe when Mourinho does it, it's called out as oh, typical Mourinho. Look, he's he's at it again, and it's it. But it comes with the package with him. I, th- I think that you're going to get that, and you almost this is how he creates the the, the sort of the cliched siege mentality because he you know he's your manager now, so Spurs are going to get some of this like reflected criticism off Jose, 
And like already, already I can I can hear it in your voice. You're sort of you've got this like grudging affection for the man, and <laughs> that, and that will that will grow with time because you know like he he is your boss and he will do everything he can to to defend the club for better or worse. Um, but it you know it does attract criticism because that's the personality he's built for himself ultimately. Do you uh, are you fully on board with? Ole at the wheel, or would you would you take Pochettino before he goes to Newcastle? <laughs> um, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, if you speak to the the other lads on on Poddy and yeah, we 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 sort of we we the, the three of us that present it, we run the whole gamut. We've got the the Oli out presenter Dan. We've got um, Ryan, who's sort of in the middle, yet to be fully convinced. But it's le- I like to think he's leaned towards the Ollie side. And then you've got me, that's the full Ollie in sort of presenter. In the I, I buy into it. I, I fully buy into it. I think the, the way he's promoted youth, the sort of signings that he's made, um, you know, sort of players that have have got a. They, you know, they fit into a system of the counter-attacking football we want to play. You know, they've they've got pace and they've they've got a something. They've all got something to prove as well, which I think is very important because we made a habit of signing players like Falcao, Di Maria, Schweinsteiger, players that have sort of seen it all and done it all, and were just at Old Trafford for a giant mountain of money to be wheelbarrowed to their door every week. And I think now we we're sort of building around young, hungry players, um, and I, and Ollie sort of promoting promoting young players as well to play alongside them, and I I think the the results haven't been ideal, um, but I think he's getting better tactically. You look at like his use of Luke Shaw in a, a central defensive three that we've used in a lot of big games. Like our our record in big games has been excellent. I think the the conundrum he still needs to solve. He's doing it against the smaller teams, but um, I'm I'm on a Spurs pod, so what I will say is I'm confident because you guys are a bigger team. Uh, I just want to get that out there, so I don't get any hate mail from this. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm so possibly... you're not lads, lads. It's Tottenham. Well, that's I, I did make the joke that um, if if we won, I might name the next episode of of Poddy and Igalo that, that, but. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see on that one definitely. I'm, I'm I'd say I'm quietly confident, um, but on the whole, I, I I like what Ollie's doing. I feel like he's he's sticking to the principles of what I think Manchester United's about: young players, attacking football, and yeah, it feels right to me. It's been a long old road, but we've you know we've shown some patience in him. And Pochettino is a, a wonderful manager. Like you can't argue with what he's he's done for you. But I think it would have been incredibly harsh to get rid of Ollie at this stage of of what he's trying to build at the club, you know. No matter who's available, I, I would I would stick with him for the time being. And it, it probably just wouldn't send out. I think, especially for a manager like Pochettino, probably just doesn't really send out the best message, right? Because I think Pochettino is very much the type of guy that wants to know he's going to be backed and is being given a project and. That seemed to be the assurances that were given to Solskjaer. And I don't know, he seems like a very principled guy, Pochettino. And I think if he saw you guys suddenly make a load of assurances to Solskjaer and then fuck him off at the first possible opportunity, I'm I'm not overly sure it would chime that well with him. But 
maybe it would maybe just she's apparently a massive Man United fan or well at least a massive Alex Ferguson fan Pochettino even though the Bielsa link is often brought up a lot I think it's Sid Lowe that said in Spain Pochettino's more known as being a massive Fergie fan and everything like that so that's why the links are always so worrying as Spurs fans when he used to go out for like clandestine swanky lunches with Ed Woodward and stuff or whoever it was he he did whilst he was still Spurs manager but um yeah it's it is interesting it was Rashford I was trying to think then when you're talking to me about Solskjaer and young players I think it was Rashford wasn't it that posted a picture of him talking to Solskjaer at training and he sort of done the dialogue as if Solskjaer was telling him about the moment he won the European Cup against Bayern wasn't it Because that sort of stuff's quality, isn't it? As well, you know, and that that probably does play into the minds of a few of these players thinking, well, actually, to be fair, this this fella has literally won the European Cup for Man United with the last kick of a game. So, you know, yeah, it's it's something that gets thrown at Ollie a lot, but it, it, like he he admits it himself. He said in interviews that Manchester United are the only club of this size that would give him a job, and it's because of those links with the club. And it's you know it's easy to dismiss that and say managerial experience is more important, and that definitely plays into it. But then it's not exclusive to us because you you look at what Frank Lampard has started at at Chelsea. That's starting to look like quite a promising project. To use that word that all makes all football fans shudder. Um, <laughs> you've got Arteta who. Granted, last night's evidence maybe wasn't the best, but by all accounts seems to be really getting through to to the Arsenal players and trying to bring about some change there. I I think there is something to be said for these players that were sort of integral parts of a football club being involved on on a coaching level. And, you know, Manchester United has always been a club that's done that. Like, Ollie used to be our reserve coach and sort of Nicky Butts involved on the youth side of things and with recruitment. And obviously we've got Carrick as, as first team coach. And it's, I, I think at a club like Manchester United, to be able to point to people who've sort of done it all and won it all is massive, especially because we're building a young team as well, to sort of show them a pathway and go, you know, if you stick at this, you can end up where I was. And, you know, it's it's not the same as, like, the tactical nous of a Pep or a Mourinho. But I think that it does mean something. And I think Ollie, I think what Ollie achieved as a player does maybe resonate with, with the younger lads, even though it is often used as sort of a stick to beat him with as well. Like, it, when it comes to, like, the, uh, the 1999 memes and such. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a... Yeah. I think it's a good fit. Like I say, I've, if, if you spoke to to our other presenters, you probably get a different answer. But I'd, I'd say I'm I'm probably the most pro pro Solskjaer we've got. I mean, I, w- I would say from the outside, you can you can see that there is an emerging identity because the the main thing I would say about Manchester United since Ferguson is that I've just not really known what you are as a team anymore. Every time I've watched you, I've sort of thought. What what type of football do United play? Like what what are they known for now? You know what is their identity? What what real players sort of stand out? And yeah, okay, you'd have like I suppose it's kind of latterly become about Rashford now. He sort of seems to be quite emblematic of 
you know, because he's from the youth team and he's just really good as well, that he's kind of becoming one of the leading lights and one of the sort of faces of the club. But before then, you there was just this kind of like mismatch of like lots of mercenary players, no real clear identity or style or anything. But it seems to be that you're moving in a positive direction under Solskjaer. And whether or not that means, you know, because the bar is set so high at a club like United, you know, that that means that you're going to go on and win a league title again in the next two, three, five years. I don't know, but will it mean that you look like a team that's potentially regularly finishing Champions League spots again? that is at least competitive in title races consistently, that is winning FA Cups and what have you. I don't see why not. Looks like you're going that way. You've got the resources and you've ultimately you've always got the the fear factor still. I think even when you were sort of in the you know, the Van Hal kind of Moyes doldrums, it's still Man United. And it's still a kind of a team that shows up that people are a bit like. And it's, to be fair, you know, it's something that it started to wane. But even Liverpool held on to for 30 years, you know. Like Liverpool have had some shocking teams the past few years. And it only really started to catch up with them very recently. But they still have always managed to do all right. Um, But I don't know. It looks like you're on the up. And uh, just whilst we're on the subject Marcus Rashford big shout out to him because he is uh, I know he listens to yeah, I'm sure he's an avid listener to all the Rich podcasts but he's been doing some sterling work throughout all this um, I'm sure you're very proud to have play of him absolutely I mean books. let's start banging the drum for um, for Sir Marcus Rashford in the New Year's Honours <laughs> list now I mean it it's something I think it is something that like is has done that that impossible thing of sort of even like unifying football and and rival fans because like through this lockdown footballers like have taken a, a a battering from politicians oh you know well you should be doing more and stuff and like Rashford's led it but he's not been the only one but there's you know like footballers have used their their platform and their wallets for good like even you know even before getting the free school meals thing you know Rashford had had paid to to feed you know sort of hundreds of thousands of kids and it's yeah it's, it's it's just it's great to see but it almost like it transcends that tribal thing for me that I'm always I'm almost more sort of you know this is what football can achieve you know footballers constantly get told they're overpaid oh you know like teachers and nurses should get your wages and all all this sort of stuff they're constantly getting hammered when you know they don't even set they don't set their own wages do they they're you know, it's in a yeah. contract, and they're getting paid by the clubs based off revenue that that's made. And you know, for the constant hammering, like football during this lockdown has stood up and been counted and gone like, well, you know, this is the difference we can make with with this platform and this money. And it's just it's it's great to see. And yeah, as far as I'm concerned, a rise, Sir Marcus. Get him, get him knighted, get him knighted. All right, enjoy. I'll I'll just. Ask you one final question. What do you think the result is going to be tomorrow or, well, I guess let's say tonight if most people are listening on Friday? I 
I think it's going to be one of those where, um, especially when you look at some of the Bundesliga games and like sort of that, that seems to be like a, the best thing to try and draw these predictions from because it is like sort of a unprecedented thing for the Premier League apart from a couple of games last night. So I'm going to say both teams are going to score. Um, inevitably, inevitably, Harry Kane's going to score, but I'm I'm going to back us to to nick it two one. I think I uh, and let's say Samarcus with the winner as well, just to complete his um, transformation into a, a saint this week with a winning goal would be lovely. Remains to be seen, mate. All right, then. Thanks very much, Joey. And uh, yeah, I hope you don't win. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Right, cheers, Joey. Um, yeah, lads, it's Tottenham, Manchester United. A, uh, a name that would probably have struck a lot more fear into us a few years ago, but they are they are starting to pick up again. Like, like I was saying to Joey, that as much as I kind of do like to laugh at the whole Ole's at the wheel thing, I have, to give him his dues, I would say that now, discernibly, they, since Ferguson for the first time, are starting to have a bit of character about them. You kind of can see a bit more what Man United are. Whereas it kind of seems to me that since Ferguson left... I've I've often been wondering like what actually are Man United anymore like what's their identity they didn't really have any players other than I mean they had sort of like a few banter players I mean this probably does them a bit of a disservice but like Lingard and stuff you know who <laughs> you know that like weren't really held yeah. in a sort of esteem but now it seems like they've got players like Rashford emerging they've got some like Bruno Fernandes who just seems to be an astonishingly good player and in that pantheon of balls dropped by Tottenham in that we didn't manage to get that one over the line. And they are starting to play again, fairly attractive, decent looking football. Um, Are you worried about this one? I'm not worried. No, I think the main success that they have is that they've, they've, got a really good squad and I don't think it's through an amazing like scouting network or like purchasing talent I think they've just if you throw enough shit they've finally landed on something that's approaching 
you know, <laughs> possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have had players come through. Rashford's really good. Martial, obviously, really good. Um, Fernandez is a good signing, but it's not. It's, it wasn't like a secret that he was a good player or yeah. that he was going to succeed. He was. He was obviously brilliant. Um, Pogba as well, who gets his fair share, fair share of stick, but he, he is brilliant. And I mean, the defense needs to, to be fair on on the Pogba thing. He does get haircuts, mate. So you know, you can see where people are coming from. Yeah, um, uh, they've got a couple of odd ones. That Reese James just seems to be very pacey. I think I read something the other day that they wanted to send him out on loan next year, which I, I didn't make sense to me. But is that um, that Welsh lad? Yeah, he's yeah. just really short and nippy, and actually had. Do you know the the story of him last season? No, no. He he signed for Leeds in January, and then the deadline passed, so they couldn't. Um, like Swansea literally pulled the plug after the deadline and gone. There's pictures of Reese James in a Leeds kit at Ellen Road. He'd signed his contract. He'd had his club photos done. They were ready to start publishing it. Um, like As the transfer per- for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. He he was a Leeds United player, and then Swansea just said no. Like at the the. Probably even past the time that they could say no, they said no. So he ended up going to Man United the next window. But he was one of the most fuckeriest things I've ever seen. It's almost similar to... was it Fakir that went to Liverpool and was in the same position where he'd had his photos taken and stuff like that and then suddenly he didn't end up signing? Um, so. Yeah. So, he'd, he'd, yeah. He'd, if if rumours are to be believed... Done. We had the same thing with Mane as well, mate. I don't think that was. I don't think he was in the kit. I think we we that was more of a. We, you do this with players sometimes. They they have like a tour of the training ground and like almost like a a discovery day at the club where you kind of show yourself off. You know when almost like when you try to decide what uni you go into and you go on visits and stuff. Mm. When a player knows he's going to be moving club, like his agent will set up days where he goes to visit different teams. So we ha- we definitely had him at the training ground and we've had other players like that have been at the training ground um, and we've just not Moriente's signed him for whatever reason. Back in the day, it might be... All sorts of players, time. yeah. No, 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 yeah, I remember that one. And there was one last summer as well that I can't remember who it was. Um, now. Probably, probably we, Bruno we Fernandes. Had- Fuck knows, but we we've had players that um that come to the training ground and then they don't end up signing for one reason or one reason or another, just because they do come and have a look around and sort of see whether or not it's a shit hole or not. Which is why that training ground such a big investment for us because it's one of the best. Yeah. Um, if you imagine what a footballer does, ninety nine percent of their career at a club is spent at that training ground. That's where they get all their treatments. That's where they spend Monday to Friday, yeah. and that's you know where all the meetings and everything and their food. They'll eat two of the three meals a day and all that sort of bollocks. That's where their life is. See, that's kind of where they want to see whether or not they're comfortable. But it's a, um, it's a consideration, so though, isn't it? You know, if you if you do a desk job, if you're not sort of somebody who is out and about all the time for work. So you know you're going to be in one place constantly. How nice yeah. or not the office is is definitely a factor in deciding whether you want to work somewhere. If you go somewhere and oh, it's in some like... grey industrial park somewhere and it's one of these prefab kind of buildings from the 60s, it just looks like it's probably full of asbestos and it's miserable. Mm. 
you don't want to work there. Not just that, but like little things like, do the office provide fruit? And yeah. is there a, a like a cold water dispenser? Like I've worked in offices where like there was a minimal office and like nothing provided in the arse end of nowhere. So you couldn't even go out for a nice lunch. And that's like, it does get demoralizing after a while. It's you shite. do just naturally get more bored at work. Yeah. It's absolutely shy. Um, so yeah, yeah, like you say, it, it does make sense. And it does sort of both. As much as, you know, I think we've probably even criticised Levy on here for focusing on perhaps the off-pitch more than the on-pitch, you know, hopefully it will... Uh... You can't really fault... If the, the, the one thing no, that they have yeah. got right is the, the, inf- the infrastructure of the club now is, uh, uh, you know, light years away from the state in which they found it. That's why they can make their kissy faces at Jeff Bezos now to, to buy it off of them. And if we know anything about Jeff Bezos, he does um, follow those kissy faces, if you yeah. ask his ex-wife. Yeah. So, I mean... If there's one man you don't want to sort of piss off, it's Jeff Bezos, isn't he? Because he could literally have my pants down if he wanted to without even thinking about it. But I don't think my little joke is going to affect him that much. Well, he is an avid listener, I've heard. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Jeff, if you want to track the sponsorship, though, our way, we'll, uh, we'll happily take it. I don't mind about you, immoral workplace practices so much anyway if uh if my uh if my weasel gets greased if you know what i mean um yeah if you give us a million each we'll shut up yeah exactly well 100k you could give us a billion each jack and he wouldn't even fucking notice it drop in the ocean nothing literally nothing Christ. he's gonna be the world's first trillionaire is he yeah isn't he now apparently even... so through kind of inflation adjustment, he is now officially the richest human being ever, isn't he? I think he's just surpassed some kind of pharaoh or slave trader or something. Probably, yeah. Um Can I can I just say if I had a trillion pounds, what a monumental bell end I would be. Genuinely, like the worst person possible, that would be me. Like, I, I, I couldn't tell you how how quickly that would go to my head. What would you do? Would you like? I'd have a gold house that was in the shape of my head. I would <laughs> get in the shape I, of your knob. That would be more of a sort of like billionaire yeah. statement. This is my place. Yeah, and I'd be that guy that like you know I'd walk into a restaurant and like not even like acknowledge people and then just kind of like throw. A grand on the floor, and they go, "That's your tip. Fuck off!" Like that—that's like in my heart of hearts. That's who I know I would be. Like, like thinking about it properly, like I would hope I would be humble and do charity work, and you know, want to raise my kids responsibly. But I'd be what's that bellend called that plays poker and has a big beard? Oh, I don't know. It's not. um... And that's all the Daniel, Daniel Negrano, is it? That fella. No, no, no. He's he's weird. You know, he's the actual poker player. He's not weird. The the one with the massive beard. Oh, Bilzerian. Like, uh, oh man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I would be Brown Bilzerian. That that is if I had that much money. He's 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 an awful, absolute cock. Awful man. Awful man. But because yep. the thing is, he's managed to carve himself that nice niche of. Any beta who criticises me is just jealous. It's like, or maybe people just think you're a knob, mate. Like that is allowed, you know. Like, but uh, I do. Do you know what I would actually kind of enjoy doing more if I was like that level of billionaire? 
I would like to go over to like a table that had somebody like, you know, if you're in some sort of nice restaurant, as I imagine you would be if you're a billionaire, there'd be other people who are of a similar sort of ilk to yourself. And if you saw across the room someone like, you know, uh, a Richard Branson or an Alan Sugar or someone, I'd just love to go over to their table and just see their, like, you know, whatever they've got, like filet mignon steak or something, and just kind of stick my fork in it and have a bite standing <laughs> over their table <laughs> and then just chuck it down. And then, like you say, chuck a load of money down and be like, ah, it's overdone. Do you know what I mean? Walk off. <laughs> just belittle them. It'd be so good knowing that 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 is the sort of thing because they revel in like making other people feel like shit all the time being able to do that to someone of that sort of echelon would be great yeah or just... one thing I would do though if I had that amount of money I would pay my fucking taxes I wouldn't be no. that's one yeah. thing I'd be an absolute bell end but I'd still be paying my taxes but there's probably an argument to be made that you'll never get to that period if you uh, do pay your taxes so you know, yeah, possibly. Annoying. Um, I wonder if you... Do you reckon there's a... Pro, like we're going way off tangent here, but it's the second half of the podcast. Oh, man, people this is know, what the podcast is about. Exactly. You, you carry on. If people are still listening now, they know what to expect from this latter half. Do you reckon... Yeah, fuck the football. Right, if you're if you're Jeff Bezos now, can you say yeah. to like the British establishment, the British royal family and everything, I want to buy Buckingham Palace. I, I want it. <laughs> I want I want her... Uh, I want her to disappear. Like she can go live in Windsor, and then we'll leave all the windows out open. Let the granny smell out. Do you know what I mean? And then <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna live in fucking Paris. Get it deep clean to get the corgi shit off the carpets. Yeah. Make sure that like yeah, I don't know. Possibly make, make sure Andrew's the... room is definitely just incinerated or do you know yeah. I, mean? I want somebody to go in there with a UV light first and find out <laughs> what the fuck's been going on. I don't want any computers left in there that he's touched. Nothing. Yeah. Like, nothing that can come back to Check me. Check those hard drives. Yeah, big time. Um, but do you, do you reckon... like? It I was... don't know. It, it depends what the offer would be because they need to keep, carry on making money. I reckon if he was like, I'm going to give you $5 billion for Buckingham Palace, they'd probably take it because that'll keep them going for generations. And then just slapping across the front of it. Getting a big Amazon wrap just put around the. I think the government would probably go for it as well, though, because um, it's not as if they make any money directly out of Buckingham Palace, but they certainly the taxes we taxes go to pay it and keep it going. Like, unless she just had a eating redone, she's had a central eating redone, a few new boilers put in, and it's cost us a few several million to to get it done for her. I mean, it it, it, um, it poses an interesting question, and I do. I I would be very interested as well to see what like the kind of the gammon reaction. Because funnily enough, I I often find that the gammons are they tend to be more the sort of people that I mean, no, I mean we shouldn't sort of group everybody into one lump here, but still, I no, find just, go ahead, Jack. <laughs> I find a lot of gammons have this weird like, even though these sort of people like Jeff Bezos and that who don't pay their taxes affect everybody ultimately. Google, Boots, whoever you want to fling shit at. It has a knockdown effect for all of us. They will still defend... Well, well, no, you know, they've made that money so they should be able to do what they like. It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, they should probably still kind of contribute. Be good people. Yeah, because you do, mate. Like, so I, like why, like, why do you, like, 
a, a significant amount of your salary go yeah, you, to tax. So why why are you happy <clears> to let a man who's immeasurably richer than you off the hook? I've I've never quite understood yeah. that. That again, that I've I've used this phrase. I've just you up a Keith fifty three from Scunthorpe with your twenty five yeah. grand a year from Brick Lane. Why are you more accountable than the trillionaire? I don't I, I don't I don't get it. Again, you know, it's 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 one of those no, bizarre things. Yeah, I, I, I think it, some some aspir, some aspect of it I think is aspirational because I think a lot of people <laughs> well, when they, they think um, if, if just when my idea takes off. I will be that Jeff Bezos. I'll be Scunthorpe's Jeff kind Bezos. Kind of, but it, uh, I remember a lot when when Trump got elected. A lot of the reason why so many people liked him was because they thought he must be amazing because he's got that much money, and if he has that much money, he's going to make us all rich because he's made himself rich. When I think the actual fact of it is, is if Trump had left his inheritance in a bank account, he would have more money now than he did trying to be a businessman because he's that shit at business he's actually earned less money doing what he does with his hotels and all of his um property than had he just left his money in an account on like the in- interest occur on it it's funny isn't it because like full disclosure like, when he first got voted in like don't don't get me wrong like, i've always found him to be a reprehensible character you thought he was an all right bloke like no, but I, I did kind of buy into that idea of like, you know, when people are like, oh, he's stupid, he's a fucking idiot. I was more of that, like, you know, the galaxy brain meme of like, I mean, he's obviously not an idiot. He, there is a smart guy beneath that. And this is some grand pantomime. And, but now I'm like, uh, uh, no, no, he's, he's, he's genuinely like, he's, he's a fucking idiot, isn't he? Like, he is actually a, a thick cunt properly. Yeah. And you know. he's he, he's bizarre, mate. I don't understand. That's a whole different second half of a podcast. But he's there's something wrong with him, like genuinely wrong with him. The yeah, I mean, like the his his general response throughout all of COVID, I've I found myself watching and just thinking, like, fuck me, like America, you've genuine like <laughs> again, I know whatever. Getting all we have a good relationship stuff. with the Americans anyway, Jack. So you just <sighs> carry on. But still, just like to, to that, you've gone from Obama to that. Like, really, you know, like, mm. and it's not I mean, like, our, not it's not like got... our shit doesn't stink. Exactly, I know. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not for, gonna fall into that trap of being like, oh, America's really bad. You know, we've got but... fucking Cummins running the country, going to Barnard Castle to check his eyesight. The fucking bellend. It's just so much of a level of it. I don't know. I've, I've fucking banged on about this to so many people before. Um, and I probably have with you as well. But I don't know if you've ever seen the... Uh, one of Charlie Brooker's, like, end-of-year wipes that he's, uh, he's he's done down the years. He, you know how he, it's always in that segmented fashion? He got the documentary yeah. maker, Adam Curtis, to do a little five-minute section once. There's just if you you can find it on YouTube if you just type like Adam Curtis oh dear, and he's just basically talking about how like you know the kind of the the fake news if you like cycle and just the the landscape of like discussion now and how it's controlled by it it veers into tinfoil hat but it's it's not really tinfoil hat in that it's all stuff that he, he's commenting on stuff that you see before your very eyes every single day for example after boris was getting criticized a lot for the 
NHS pledge on the bus, he has a bizarre interview where he talks about making paper mache buses, which means then what gets pushed down on Google's sort of SEO rankings is any mention of Boris Johnson and a bus and the pledge that he's made to the NHS on the side of a bus. And now everything is just flooded with Boris Johnson's car crash interview and just the way in which now that news and media is just totally subverted by like you're seeing it at the moment. Like I, I, this is probably more tinfoil hat on my side of things, but you know, people are trying to have very serious discussions about black lives matter and so on and so forth. And then you've got a cunt like Dominic Raab going on and making some fucking ridiculous statement about it originating in game of Thrones, which I pers- my personal feeling on that is they can hide behind because they would rather hide behind this idea that people think the Conservative Party are just out of touch and they just don't get it. Bollocks, in my opinion. Bollocks that he doesn't know where the taking a knee thing stems from. It's And I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm going full Alex Jones here, but... To, to me, have you that, gone all red in your face? Going I have, mate. I'm beating my chest. It's because I've taken all my fucking supplements today Close that off. are unregulated and whatever pumped out. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just think a as lot... long as you don't start turning into a Sandy Hook trooper or uh, no, 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 none of that shit. But just this type of shit, I just think like <laughs> there's so much more malevolence to a lot of this stuff than uh, than meets the eyes. Yeah. But uh, you know. Football. Did you hear that line he had about um, <laughs> I only take a knee for the Queen and my missus? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and it, no, that, it originated I, in Game of Thrones anyway. Fuck off, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're fucking weirdos, a lot of them. That Hancock as well, he looks like a oh, mate, Have you seen that clip don't... of him stood next to the woman? Please don't get me started on Matt Hancock, mate. Like, he's... I, I think this is the like I, the, the the Tories are like a, a set of bellends anyway, but I think they've managed to finally and like all hats off to them, like finally get the biggest collection of cunts together that they have ever previously managed to get. Like I genuinely don't think like per minister they've ever managed to get like this good of a spread. Oh prick. The funny thing is, like, I remember when I was a kid, like, and, you know, somebody, whoever, like, John Major or, you know, Michael Howard or someone would come on the, on the telly and my old man would just be like, Sh- you know, if they're on question time or something, talking about something, my old man's like, yeah, yeah, of course you'd say that, of course you'd say that, you twat, and you, do you know what I mean? Like, responding to them as if they can hear, but Matt Hancock in particular is that one, for, like, Charlotte will, like, start rolling her eyes when Matt Hancock comes on because she knows what is going to ensue is me fucking going on for about 10, 15 minutes. Not only about him as a politician, but probably in quite a toxic way, if I'm being honest, is about him as a bloke. It's just about how wet he is and about <laughs> you know, how he would definitely go down like a sack of shit if you gave him even like an open-handed slap sort of thing. Like he's just, he's just such a wet, characterless man i can't i cannot stand him um i don't mind really ranting about this stuff so much because i know that there's probably about two percent of people that listen and then that two percent of people at this point are probably fairly aligned with us so we can we, we can got rid of the uh, right wing li- listeners of this podcast many many years ago <laughs> yeah was it i didn't didn't one wasn't the one fella who was actually a, I believe he was a UKIP MP or a UKIP councillor, 
who quote tweeted us being like, this is my favourite Spurs pod. I love these guys. Oh, Their level of discussion. Him, yeah. And we just told them to go suck himself. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, mate, do you mind? I was like, my friend, you go right ahead. <laughs> and it was just like, we're doing something wrong if a fucking reprehensible cunt like you's enjoying our podcast this much. Kindly fuck off. You know what I mean? I think we then took about half an hour on the next podcast to directly speak to him and ask him to never listen to our show again. Yeah. And, and did, he ended up um, blocking us, didn't he? Did he? Or maybe I'll imagine that man. part. I, I don't know. I haven't, I, I've I'd forgotten the man existed until you brought it up. Yeah, I'm glad to I'm glad to bring that shred of joy back into your life, mate. Right. While we're burning these bridges, can I just say my least favourite Tories by far are all of the uh, ethnic uh, minority ones because I think they're, you know, fooling themselves and are, are just reprehensible in a way. And what, what I, I I saw in your... denying of their background and history and roots in a way that I found disgusting and and you know, I genuinely can't put my words into it. I, I can't string a sentence about how much I hate the likes of Javid, the fucking Maltese-headed prick, <laughs> Pretty Patel, the other one now, what's he called, Rishi as well. Rishi Everyone seen seems it. To fit I was, was going to say... Dishy, I... Rishi, can go, they can all go suck their mums, I fucking hate them all, genuinely. I think you called Rishi Sinek on Twitter the other day a slippery coconut, which I found quite... Oh, no, that was pretty Patel. She's she's the worst out of the lot. Have you seen that story about her where um, somebody who used to work in like as a TV runner or something, booking guests for some, you know, mid-morning show or something, um, they're having a debate about racism. So they wanted like an up-and-coming uh, woman from a, a BAME background to come and speak about her mm. experiences, uh, you know, getting to a, a, an established position. And um, they managed to book this one lady, and as she was having her makeup done, um, this woman goes in to kind of prep her for what's going on. This is the discussion we're going to have. Um, you know, we've got this person from the other side. I imagine they're going to defend the uh, the institutions and say that racism isn't apparent. And then if you could just give us your examples of, of racism you've encountered and and, and, uh, and the racism that's still prevalent in society. And this woman in the chair goes, uh, there is no racism in society. What do you mean? We, we, we've got rid of racism in, in the UK. And this woman kind of stood there like stony face, like, we've booked you here because you're brown and you're going to tell us about, you know, your experience of racism. And it will shock nobody to find out that that woman was pretty Patel before she became an established minister. But, really? yeah, they're all they're all fucking, I can't do with them. Like, I don't understand what households they've been brought up into to do that and, and how much of their soul they have sold for a tiny taste of power is it's just disgusting and genuinely riles me to the core like I, I've got nothing nice to say about any of them yeah it's uh, I don't know mate it's, it's see this is sort of you know those crossroads that uh, that we find ourselves in a lot of these kind of discussions that are being had at the moment um and it is interesting to hear your perspective on that because I, I personally feel it, it, it puts my. I know I, I said a second ago I found it funny that you called her a slippery coconut, but there's more just the, the two words put together, slippery coconut. I think, uh, personally speaking, this is you know I don't know, it's in in my in my opinion it's it's not the place of like a white person to really go around using terms like coconut and stuff like that. Um, 
Uh, well, a lot of people would say that it's not my place either to see it, but I think there's appropriate times for people who mm. um, need it. I think... Um, I can't remember the name I called him, but I have called Javid something similar previously. I didn't call him an Uncle Tom, but I called him an uncle and then a, a, just a usual brown name beginning with T to make it funnier. <laughs> I have tweeted that before. And I just, I, I don't... I don't have the time to be kind to these people because they're not kind to anybody else. They're not good people, so they don't deserve any second thought or kindness from me. Yeah, it is because, um, I don't know, I, f- I fell into that again, full disclosure, you know, it, not, on a, not on a really, like, on a really deep level. I'm just talking, not, well, I mean, it probably was on quite a deep level. I, I can remember uh, toward the latter days of Theresa May, and when it seemed like everyone was sort of like fucking on her and you could see her like literally breaking in public and a lot of people were kind of, especially like on the left, a lot of people like, yeah, my mates and stuff were sort of really reveling in it. And there was that like, there was this, that, there was sort of like somewhere in me, there was like this deep discomfort with the idea of it, of like, uh, you know, are we letting, because someone else is horrible are we letting them rob us of our humanity a bit? I don't know how comfortable I am with this and so on and so forth. And then what, I mean, one of the main things I have sort of, and it's to be honest, like, I always knew that the, the top line of it and everything, but just cause I watched that film on BBC the other day, read a bit more about wind rush and everything like that. And you see what was actually done to people. And mm-hmm. I just sort of, I feel just like, like you say there now, when I look back on it, I'm like, fucking fuck the likes of Theresa May. Like, yeah, she's having a hard well, time. During that time, Great, I but... actually agree with you. It was it was uncomfortable to watch her, you know, as a one of few women who have ever got to that yeah. level of power and politics, you know, be crumbled in the way she was. But then every time I started to feel sorry for her, I reminded myself that as Home Secretary, she decided to drive vans around takeaways to deport yeah. people and reveled in it. So, you know, she can fuck off as well. If she wants to cry on national TV, you cry away. I'm, I'm, I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's... Um, like, it, I, and it's kind of, I don't know, it feels like we're at a real crossroads of that type of shit. We shouldn't it, have where... sympathy for people that have sympathy for nobody else. Precisely. Other than themselves. And... Because at the end of the day, when when they when they're in that state, the only people they're feeling sorry for is themselves, and I I won't allow them the the grace to to, to sort of feel that's the the correct position for them to be taking because the the it's it's not right and I, I don't know maybe we're not we should be better people but I, I don't have that ability sadly and no. I don't. I know particularly what you mean. wish to. In an idealistic sense, I think this is kind of the where I'm starting to settle as I get a bit older. Is that like I I I know this stuff in an idealistic sense. I know that as you say, should be the bigger man, should be this, but I'm just fucking tired of it now, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah, that's the thing. You just get fed up after a while, and you just you lose your patience trying to do the right thing because it doesn't work. So there's no point. Why? Why should I waste my energy trying to be better when it achieves nothing? Like you see these, so I'm like the, meet you at your level, like the fascist bastards that went all over, fucking. You know what they're doing? They're 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 protecting the cenotaph. They're the football lads alliance. <laughs> you know what? They're, so they're they're protecting like a, a sort of 
a bastion of like and a reminder of the stark dangers of fascism and war and whatever by chanting about fucking war and chanting about what fucking chucking nazi salutes in the air and i there's a part of me now where i'm just like fucking fuck this lot mate like you know just just fuck them fuck them off i don't know i can go probably pretty dark on this it's getting a bit heavy but um <laughs> football it's back it's a good yeah. distraction we see we fucking need the distraction mate that's it like we're gonna have to sit back and watch spurs get their fucking asses handed to them tonight like i say marcus rashford get a hattie lift up a t-shirt oh furlough yeah. that can we just bitch. take two minutes to just say that marcus rashford I'd absolutely love to give him a hug. He's just, he's such a good lad, isn't he? No, mate, no, no. He's bought himself a car. You're not allowed, no. No. It's not a good thing he's done because he bought himself a nice car. So, you know. No, I've I've sort of, I always thought he was a good lad and always had time for him, but the work he's done and sort of the way he's made the Tories look silly again because the worst thing about it was... The fact that they flip flopped on it overnight meant they ever they had the funds and the money sat there to feed these starving children. They just didn't want to do it. Um, but he, yeah, he's worked tirelessly on that. He's he's come out of this lockdown with so much respect, and he's not looked for any of it for himself. Like none of it has been self congratulatory or anything. He's just a good lad, and he's he's been honest about where he comes from and. When I talk about remembering where you come from and being true to your roots and stuff like that, it's him. That's what you do. He he is a millionaire who has nice cars and a nice house and looks after his mum. Do you not remember that interview he gave when he first came through the ranks at Man United? And like he he was asked, like, what have you done with your new contract and wage packet and that? And he's like, my mum doesn't have to work anymore. That was his. That was his big achievement. And at that moment, we should have known he was a good lad. Because that's what good people say, and I, I, honestly, tonight, if we won 3-2 or 4-3 or something and he managed to grab himself a few, I, I wouldn't begrudge him of it. Nah. I genuinely I want him to have every success. I want yeah. him to have the best career possible. He's he's the type of person we need. Him, He's been outstanding. Um, who else has been outspoken during this period? There's, there's been a few of them. Um Raheem Sterling has been amazing as well. And there's there's just a few of them now in this next generation that are coming through that just are a level above, are a cut above and, and do seem to just have a bit more about them and do make you proud to come from a diverse background and working class areas and stuff like that. And, and they deserve every success on the back of it because... You know, we were joking before about what we'd be like as lottery winners, but they really are living the dream and they're still good people, which is hard to do because at the same time as they're doing that, you've got Carl Walker ordering brasses to his apartment in the middle of a lockdown. (laughs) So, you know, you can go one or two ways. It's, uh, I think, as well, for anyone, because I've seen those sort of insinuations that it's just a cynical thing, he's just jumping on COVID or this or that. Before it's, it's sort of a, probably a, a lesser known story and I only know it because my younger sister's death and actually yeah. Marcus Rashford, he, uh, way before all this happened, it was a couple of, maybe a year ago, a couple of years ago, 
he did something, I think he did something on BBC Breakfast where they'd obviously set him up and he was meeting some kids from different schools and all this type of thing. And one of the kids he met was deaf. And, you know, I think it was just a bit awkward because there was an interpreter there and this and that. But he took it, after that meeting, somebody, he took it on himself to just go and learn sign language because he was like, well, there's certain people out there that can't understand me and I can't talk to some people and that doesn't seem fair. And it was sort of covered quite a lot in like the whole like deaf community and stuff that he was just taking it upon himself to to learn sign language. For no, I never, I'd never heard no that fucking reason. That's amazing. But just yeah. little, just shit like that. That like you know he's, I don't know, good egg. Yeah, genuinely good egg, and and, and yeah, uh, he's he's been brilliant, and he's smashed this out of the park because a lot of footballers have what just been streaming themselves on Fortnite and trying to make a few extra bit of coin off. Twitch and whatever, and he's been looking to do social reform, so it's just a bit different, isn't it? Yeah. That seems like a nice positive note to end on, mate. So, um, yeah. yeah it, viva Marcus Rashford. Viva Marcus Rashford. You don't need to follow us on Twitter or anything like that, but uh, if you've made it this far, you know, get a life. <laughs> Punk ain't no religious cult Punk means thinking for yourself You ain't hardcore when you spike your hair when a jock still lives in there. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Get out of here. We ain't no better than the bouncers. We ain't trying to be the police. When you ate the cops, it ain't anarchy. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Fight each other, the police state wins. Stab our back when you trash our halls. And go trash a bank and you got balls. You still think swastikas are cool? The real Nazis run your schools. Coaches, businessmen, and cops in a real fourth wreck, you'd be the first thing stopping. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks. Fuck off! <laughs> 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 Who the 
first to go, first to go, first to go, first to go, first to go. Unless you think. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.